Hello and welcome into the Worship Live podcast with Mike Harland. I am your co-host, Brian Brown, and we are still in this work-from-home environment at LifeWay, as we know many of you are. Today, we've got a very special podcast. Mike is interviewing Cliff Duran, a wonderful arranger, orchestrator, songwriter that many of you know. Cliff is also currently the worship pastor, the lead worship pastor at First Baptist Church, Woodstock, Georgia. And what Cliff and Mike are discussing today is that whole process of reopening going back to live. Some of you are still weeks away from that. Some of you have already had some live services. Cliff is going to talk about the process there at Woodstock, what they're planning to do and how they're planning to handle it. And we know every locality is different, but I think it would be fascinating. And it is a fascinating discussion that Mike and Cliff have about what the things that they're thinking about, the things that they're considering there at Woodstock and their plan. And we hope that you'll find this very beneficial for you as you're making plans for your local congregation. I will tell you, we're working from home. You're going to hear uh, in this particular conversation, you're going to hear some vacuum noises and maybe some dogs barking. And, you know, we're, these are the things we're dealing with as we work from home. So we appreciate you being patient with us on that side of it. But I think you're going to find the conversation very interesting, very informative, and hopefully very useful. So here is Mike Harland and Cliff Duran. Well, Cliff, uh, I, have you heard about this coronavirus thing? Has it reached Georgia yet? No, I haven't. Tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, So how in the world are you guys doing? Georgia's one of those states kind of out there on the front edge of opening back up. So what's going on down there? Are you guys okay? You know, we are. It has been been extremely educational for sure Um, here at at First Woodstock. You know, we're a a church with... uh, pre-pandemic we're a church with two two worship services and yeah. two different rooms and so you know there, there have been some upsides to it like our our entire music staff is uh serving together leading together yeah. you know doing one live stream and so it's uh you know it's it's been a team builder for sure and and our our church i'm so thankful just for how they've rallied around the you know the live stream and and how we've uh you know, still had opportunities to, yeah. to serve the community even in the midst of this. Well, you know, Cliff, uh, I I find myself texting you probably more than you want me to hear from me, but I, I, I think I text you about every other week at least telling you how much your live stream is blessing me because um, I'm watching you guys. Uh, a lot of times it's on Sunday morning, but sometimes it's other times during the week as you post things. But you guys do are doing such an awesome job with your live stream. I wonder if, if you wouldn't mind if we talked a little shop around the logistics of how you do what you do. Now, you bring a unique um, experience to this because you've got a lot of studio experience through the, the other aspect of your life as a, as a person that's an artist and then someone that's producing and arranging and and directing recording sessions. So you've got a little probably more technical experience than many worship pastors would have. You certainly have more than I would have. Um, But can you talk shop just a little bit about what you think when when a church is getting ready to stream their services the way that we all are now, what are the two or three things you would say to a church about how they do that with sound stuff? What are the is there some secret sauce here that could be easy to share with some of our listeners? Man, it's a great question. You know, we when when we of course we were all kind of kind of thrown into this, um, you know, right off the off the bat, and and we even from the first live stream Sunday to the second, we 
we changed venues to try to make it more intimate. We, we uh, had a lot of conversations about, you know, do we pre-record uh, versus, you know, just going live. And so, you know, first Woodstock, uh, they have live stream and archived their services on demand on our website for over 20 years. I mean, yeah. I, before I even came on staff here as a as a 20-something-year-old, um, I was watching, you know, their services in the early 2000s, you know, before hardly anybody was doing it. That, that was before Scott White's hair got... <laughs> Went through whatever it was it went through. I don't even know what that was, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Before just the a, transformation, I've that's got right. a visual. That's, I've got a visual right now. So, but anyway, continue, and, please. Yeah. So they, you know, they've had a they've had a live stream audience, you know, for for a while, and those those services were always mixed, not by the guy in front of house, not by the guy in the room, but but from another location um, to try to mix intentionally, you know for the online broadcast and so that's been our norm before the the pandemic and so because we already had those practices in place um we wanted our people to feel like that there it's as we wanted it to be as close to them being in the room yeah and so we opted to stay live um we we go live at 9 30 and then we rebroadcast at 11 because those are our two regular service times anyway. And then it's available by noon uh, on demand, yeah. uh, which we would normally wait till Monday to post. But we, you know, just trying to get people, everybody's schedules are off. You know, everybody uh, is uh, doesn't have a norm, you know, right now. And so just trying to make it as, as available as we can. So we don't do any any touch-up. I mean, it's still being yeah. mixed, just like a, a <clears throat> regular Sunday service would be mixed for our live stream. So I'm I'm even more impressed now because y'all do such a great job. I would not have been surprised to learn that you're you're remixing and enhancing the sound, uh, but doing it live. You know, you you've got some people uh, running the broadcast mix that that really know what they're doing. And I want to uh, please pass along to them that that's noticed. Uh, oh man, I sure will. And that'll, that'll mean a ton. Um, I will say, I mean, the, the, the pattern of our morning, I think really helps the online mixer. We, um, our music team, whoever's leading that day, we do, a um, a seven rehearsal, just us, you know, stopping and starting as we need to, to, to work through the songs and then at, at 8 30 we run the entire service yeah. uh with exception of pastor jeremy's sermon mm-hmm. i mean we just acknowledge the slot for that but it, it helps us work through video transitions but it really helps i mean if the audio guy uh this this will by the time the service arrives this will that'll be his third attempt yeah you know, to That's work good. through the mix. So he's he's not taking shots in the dark. Um, you know, when the when the actual service comes about, so it's it's extremely it's helpful to us too, but it's really really helpful to him. Which which brings me to a point that I I often make with guys. You when you when your Sunday morning sound check is actually a rehearsal for your people. Um, and the pressure of the performance is sitting on top of the technical pressures of getting mixes right and uh, monitors right and all of that. And people's people's execution musically is not ready yet, and they're still learning or still developing what they're going to actually play. 
you're actually getting a cascading effect that could really wind up in a, a catastrophe <laughs> in the service. And that's why it's so important for your singers to come to that rehearsal time really ready with knowing what they're doing, you know, from a part standpoint or where they sing and where they don't sing. Because if you're spending that 45 minutes rehearsing stuff that they should have walked in knowing, um, that's partly on us as leaders to make sure that doesn't happen. But it's we, we need to really encourage our people to come to that moment prepared so that the tech guys can get the work done in that hour that they need to get done to make the run-through go better. Anyway, I'm preaching to the choir, literally. Actually, no. preaching to the choir director. Hey, well, yeah. I mean, your, your point is huge. I mean, even even on us, you know, I'm... Um, it takes it takes this voice a while to get cranking, and so I don't. But I want to make sure, even in the run through, that I'm I'm singing, yep. you know, as if I'm we're already in the service, just to try to to help them, you know, know how to navigate exactly. and to not have any surprises when we get to the to the service. It's so. so good. And now I, I want to ask you this question, just from a strategy standpoint. Um, let's say that we're finally there on the Sunday. That, um, that everything's open. There's no restrictions. We know that that's not going to be this week. We don't know when that day's coming. It's out there. It'll be different mm-hmm. Sundays for different parts of the country, I'm sure. But, yeah. but what, what do you think has happened in, now in the streaming that you will keep after everything else is opened up? Has this, has this changed your long-term strategy about streaming, or will it just Man, go back to what I've, it was? Have you been sitting in our in our staff meetings? No, because <laughs> uh, uh, man, that's that's a huge huge question, and it's been the topic of a whole lot of conversations with us. Um, where where we have landed uh, for now? I mean, you know, when we open the doors, even a survey we sent out. I think you guys we used your uh, Lifeways survey model um, to poll our own people. I mean. Even when the doors open, everybody's not coming back sure. the first Sunday. Sure. And so um, so the online, you know, will have, you know, it'll be as valuable as the as the live mix, um, you know, on the on those opening Sundays. But, yes, this is, uh, you know, even the word our pastor has gotten from from his own conference calls with other pastors like this. There's no going going back from the online campus uh, approach that, mm-hmm. that will be taken, you know, down the road. And so it's interesting. We, the last year, um, we have been having a lot of conversations about how to um, step up our online mix. And yeah. um, do we mix it in post? Do we go back, you know, and take the effort, take the, you know, four, three, four hours, you know, on Monday morning to, uh, to tweak it, you know, to auto-tune the worship pastor who needs some help locally, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I would whatever. recommend that y'all consider. Y'all might want to consider. If I come down there to lead anything, please auto-tune me on Monday, please. <laughs> I tell people my voice craves it, you know. It just yeah. really craves auto-tune. But, yeah. but it, uh, so we've been in the midst of all of these, like trying different things. And so, and then here we are thrown into a, that's our only mix. That's the only thing people get to hear. And so um, one change we will make um, uh, probably for good um, is we will have uh, a host pastor um, <sighs> who, who navigates our online mix. So 10, uh, 10 minutes before the service starts, we will have uh, one of our staff members every week 
in front of the camera, probably in the worship center or in a mm-hmm. room close by. And he's just saying, hey, it, he's talking to the online audience. We, we've we always struggled with really communicating to those viewers. Um, so that's this person's role. They are going to make them feel as welcome online as they can. Obviously, our end goal for those people, the, the ones who live locally, we want them to be a part of the church body. We want them to end up being in the room. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, we want to be intentional and speak to them directly. And so the host pastor will do a 10-minute uh, pre-run, and some of that will just be letting them know about the church. Some of it will be, hey, here's some things coming up or some other ways you can plug in. And then when we do a live welcome in the worship service, uh, the host pastor will do that for the online audience. Yeah. Um, and then uh, when our pastor signs off at the end of the service, when he says, have a great day, everyone, then it's back on the online mix to the host pastor who will just wrap up the day and, again, reiterate ways that they can plug in. I mean, that's the that's the goal. So, I mean, yes, we have people watching, you know, you mentioned you mentioned viewing the service from from Nashville. I mean, you'll you'll feel the touch of somebody speaking directly to you, but but we're thinking about, you know, the person on the fringe of do I want to be a part of a local church body? Uh, do I want to attend First Woodstock in person? Maybe they're just their church visiting online before they you know, step foot in a door. And so uh, just to give them the information as much as we can and then make them feel as welcome as possible. You, you used a term I haven't heard anybody use yet, and it's totally locks in for me when you said the campus, that the online audience isn't the online campus. When, when you think of it as its own dedicated aspect of your church ministry expression and worship expression, and treat it that way. Now, now, I can hear what somebody's saying out there. They're saying, oh, but that's a big church, and they've got this big staff. I, I would tell, I would say this is not about having, being a big church with a big staff. Anybody could do what you just said. Sure. And that is yeah. treating, instead of the online audience being an audience that's peeking in to what you're doing in the, in the main worship time, this is an audience that is meeting in a different location. The location is just not physical. It's on the internet. And mm-hmm. and you're and you're that person that's welcoming the way you said could be a staff member, but it could be a layperson. It could be Absolutely. anybody in the church. And and connecting with that audience. And I would I, I want you to talk just a little bit about why it is so important. We've already thrown this term out. You were talking about post-production that you could do for this. Mm-hmm. But but you've hit on something that a lot of churches that are doing streaming don't, don't really understand always. And that is why it matters that you've got a front-of-house live mix. But what is happening in your streaming audience, it's a different mix altogether. And why that why it is more a little it's worth the investment of training and and the minimal technical requirements to have a dedicated broadcast mix that's run either at a different time if it's pre-recorded but if it's if it's concurrent with the worship service they are running a broadcast mix that is independent of the in-house mix give us a real quick lay person's explanation of why that matters so much yeah boy it's a i'm trying to think of the shortest way to say that i I, you know trying to 
I guess the, the simplest way would be to compare, okay, speakers in your worship center um, versus speakers on your computer. You know, like yeah. your, uh, the what is happening, what the, the sound that's coming out of each of those is two totally different experiences. And mm-hmm. so that really is why we separate those two. There's um, everybody's worship center, everybody's chapel is different. Um, and so the the front of house guy mixing in that room, he first of all doesn't need to think about. I wonder what this sounds like on a computer, no. you know, if at all possible. He needs to focus on. I mean, the people in the room and the sound in the room. And so the studio person, they're listening through speakers that are more similar to what a person at home is going to be listening on, um, and they're so they're listening with the same ears uh, yeah. and 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 able to just like the front of house guy is in the yeah. in the worship center, he's yeah. listening just like the person sitting on the pew is, and so it's the same effect yeah. uh, for the online mixer. He's able to process it the same way his audience is processing it. Yeah, yeah. Everybody listening to this has had the experience of. Man, that sounded so awesome Sunday when we did that. But I watched it online Tuesday night, and it just didn't sound that great. Sure. And and the reason it's that way is 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 is, is the end result of the very dynamic that you just talked about. Uh, I, I'll tell you another idea I'm hearing people talk about, and that is that post opening up the church, that that churches that stream are actually talking about. Go ahead and pre-recording the streaming service that's going to happen the following Sunday, but doing it in a production environment with 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 all the pre and post production that that they can bring to it. And so, what that means is, is the online experience won't be exactly the same experience mm-hmm. as the in the room experience. Yeah. Now, uh, and for instance, the the online if you're pre-recording online and you're doing it on Wednesday morning. Well, your choir and orchestra is not going to be there on Wednesday morning, <laughs> right. but you might have a, a band, a, a vocal team, and what a church could do is they could pre-record their choir in a worship service and plug that into the streamed experience if you want to do it that way. But right. um, I, I really want to encourage, I guess my admonition I want to encourage people to think about is if streaming is a part of your long future, do more than just piggybacking on your live worship experience, go ahead and go that extra mile to make the streaming experience as significant for the people that are experiencing your church that way as you do for the people that are in the room experiencing it that way. It needs that kind of attention. And your your uh, you, you just said a minute ago, I, I think this must be the language your, your team down there is already using, you saying the streamed um, campus. That's what you mm-hmm. called it. You said the streaming yeah. campus, and and I would I, I think that model thinking of the streaming experience as a campus of your church, and putting that kind of energy toward it, so that you, so that what is happening, it's we're not trying to win production awards. That's not the point here, but right. we want the online experience to represent the the gospel and 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 the church in the very very best way it can, because honestly, the online audience. It, you're competing with their attention with stuff that is highly produced and very professionally done, and you really need to be at least within earshot of of, of those production values for your service to really have uh, the potential to have a wide impact. Oh yeah, I just had that conversation with somebody this morning. You know, like every 
most people's screen time is probably up during this pandemic, you know, as they were, you know, not working more or just at home more. And so the comparison level is even greater, you know, when they uh, turn off Netflix and turn on their uh, their webcast, you know, and, and what that what that looks like. You know, Mike, we did have those conversations about do we want to get into a pattern of pre-recording you know, an online service. And, and the compromise we landed on is the one I described about a host pastor. It, it does, it's, it's a win both ways. You win by uh, intentionally communicating with the online viewer, but they still get a glimpse of what the live church experience looks like if they were to step into the room. And that's something we could not give them in a pre-recorded service. And yeah, that's even right. just looking at our stats, you know, our choir and orchestra-led service gets 75% of the online views between our two rooms. So there's an expectation of being led by a choir and orchestra, you know, of having that experience. And we can't, you know, really offer that in a fluid pre-recorded experience. Um because uh, I don't know about your choir and orchestra, but our people have jobs. Like, yeah, exactly. They're not going to be available in the middle of the week. So, unlike me um, and you, we don't work for a living, but our but our people do. Right. We they just do. make music. They, we don't. We're not really right. doing anything. We just have a hymnal by our side. And, you know, <laughs> All right. So some songs. I, that's a great segue to something I really wanted to ask you. So we understand. Let me give the disclaimer. We understand that opening. Um, opening up is going to look different depending on what part of the country you're in. So, so you, you know, in Georgia where you are, it, it's going to be different in Georgia than it is in Texas or in Kentucky about when the church is going to gather again. And that's going to look different in every community. Here in, here in Tennessee, it's different in Franklin than it is in Nashville because Nashville right. has a set of rules that Franklin doesn't have. So, this whole deal of reopening the church, it's, going to, it's already starting to happen, and it's going to start happening in, in virtually everywhere in the next few weeks. Talk, talk me through, I, I saw a video your pastor, Pastor Jeremy, did, and mm-hmm. it was so well done. He's such a great communicator. I saw a video he made that y'all sent out explaining your rollout, or at least in some detail, how this looks. But just give us an idea of what your church is going to do to open back up. What's that process look for First Baptist Woodstock? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, we obviously there will be some things different from the last time they were here, and you know, uh, the biggest among them is just not having them, you know, not having physical objects in their hands. We're not going to hand them bulletins. Yeah, um, we're not going to pass the offering plate from person to person we will either you know have boxes drop boxes for them or we will have ushers literally walk plates through the entire you know room without them leaving their hands and uh and all those guys will get in their steps for the day you know yeah exactly so um, it's a so, it's a fitness program for the ushers at first baptist woodstock because i'm it telling is. you yeah, man we're I like, like it. a like a champ i so, like it um so our um what we will do is offer more services than normal, um, and we will have assigned seating areas, not assigned seats, but our we have figured out how many family units we can fit in our worship center with ample space in between each of them. So yeah. there's space, you know, from one end of the row to the other, and then there's an empty row 
you know, from front to back between yeah. every filled row. And so those those kinds of things and, and you know, to do that and, and execute it will take more time to enter and exit the building. And so we're spacing out our services a little more. Uh, there'll be a solid hour in between uh, to to have people exit and then people enter without any, you know, traffic problems. And so, you know, obviously the first few Sundays will be educational to see yeah. what our attendance is like. And, uh, but we just want to be, you know, ready for them, uh, as ready for them as possible. And, you, and will, you'll adjust. I mean, after that first Sunday, sure. I mean, you're meeting on Monday going, okay, this is changing and that's going to move and all of that. But those are really good ideas already. All right. I, w- I want to ask you the $64 million question. Are you ready? All right. I'm ready. So what do we think? And again, this might be different in Georgia than it is in Kentucky. But what do we think and what are you thinking? And and feel free to say, I don't know, because <laughs> uh, that's the way I would answer this question. Um, about this whole idea that singing is too risky. It, it spreads more contagious things in the air. That singing is risky. I heard, a, I heard a governor in a press conference yesterday say, we're asking churches not to have choir for this next season. So what, what, what are you thinking about that? That singing is risky and that choir is really risky. What do you think? Well, how are you going to navigate yeah. that? Well, it's a great question. Obviously, in case anybody is curious, I'm not speaking with any medical expertise <laughs> no, at all. No, I don't know I. if you knew that or not. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Doctor um, Duran, how are you going <laughs> to? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, so and it's funny. I, I was on a panel for a for Georgia Baptist uh, worship pastors last week, and that was that was a big question, uh, probably the most common. You know, just uh, are you going to are you going to ask people to sing? And so. Um, you know, we're going, obviously, we're going to take the social distancing steps as far as where people sit. And then, you know, our pastor said it well yesterday in a meeting. He said, you know, we're going to we're going to lead worship like we normally would. And just like on a lot on a regular Sunday pre pandemic, some people will sing and some people won't, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so we're um, there won't be a point um, unless you know, we we just get a real a real burden that we're causing danger. There there won't be a point in our service where we will say, "Hey, we really don't want you to sing." Mm. Uh, yeah, I think in in the moment, if we've done the step, taken the steps we can take with spacing people out, we're gonna we're gonna trust the Lord, um, and uh, and let people use their best judgment. You yeah, know, uh, as to as to whether they want to sing, as to whether or not they want to wear a mask, you know, in the service, yeah. all of those things. Uh, we want to give people the freedom and obviously, you know, a, a non-judgmental, you know, feeling like we're, hey, you you need to use your own caution and judgment to to do what's best for you. We're going to lead in worship like we would any Sunday. Yeah. Um, the choir and orchestra question is a is a great one, too. We will probably wait to, to see a little change of, um, you know, how they uh, of the social distancing protocols and you know space and all that we do have a big loft and we could have people up there yeah you know spread out um but that won't be the first the first sunday we're back in we will 
we'll have to ease into that for sure. What you just said is what I'm hearing from other leaders, that choir is definitely coming back. We, we can't imagine church without it, yeah. uh, but not immediately. And probably waiting to a little bit later in this curve uh, when, when it feels safer. And, and interestingly, in the summer, many folks, uh, choir, you know, their choirs take a little break in the summer. Uh, and so maybe from a timing standpoint, this might be a time of year when you're, when churches weren't using choir every Sunday anyway. But I'm hearing more and more churches say exactly what you just said, that we're going to approach it with caution on the choir side of things. And then later in the year, uh, bring that back. I can't wait till it's all back. But for now, oh, man. Uh, you know, Anybody caution, knows. caution is the better part. All right. So we've got I've got one more thing. This is going to be really self-serving for me to ask this okay. question, but I, I've got to have you talk about this. Um, this podcast, when it goes out, it will it will. Um, uh, there's a project that's coming that won't be out yet, and it'll be later in the year before this project comes out. Uh, and we're counting on choirs coming back because we want choirs to experience this. But uh, we're just so blessed that we got to prop up that that rookie songwriter, Dave Clark. You know, he he know. He, he, he struggles. He struggles. But Cliff, you and I together, we were able to to finish him off. You know, and get his skill <laughs> up there. Uh, but the three of us just finished a major project together, and it's called The Story of Jesus. Uh, it's a musical setting based, inspired up by the Gospel of Matthew, uh, and it tells the story of Jesus. It's a choir-led worship experience uh, that you and I and, and Dave just finished up. Your choir sang it on the on the recording of it. We've yeah. all of that just finished up, and. And it's all at the manufacturer now, getting getting finishing touches on everything. It'll come out later this year. But I'd love. I'm I'm super excited about it, and I'll say more about it later. But I'd love to hear. Just since you you're on my podcast, I want to ask you, talk a little bit about the story of Jesus, this musical that oh, we just man. finished. I'm telling you, well, A, I'm glad that we got it recorded before. before <laughs> yes, all of this. Sir. yes, sir. We'd have been in a mess yeah, if we had iPhone yeah. choir recording or something. <laughs> yeah, so, Virtual. Um, yeah. Well, man, what an awesome experience. And uh, I'm so proud of our of our people for uh, for being a part of it. But I'm telling you, this uh, it's funny to be on this side of it, Mike. You and I have been talking about this idea, you know, for a couple of years yeah. and to really you know, take one of the gospels and, um, and see, see what we might could, could pull out of those texts with, uh, with songs. And, um, I could not be more excited yeah. about, uh, about this project. It's a, it's a special one for sure. Yeah. That, that, I mean, you know, w- w- uh, every songwriter, when you ask any songwriter, what's your favorite song, he's probably going to say the most recent one they wrote and sure. maybe it's supposed to be that way, but but this, there's something about this project. You know, you and Dave and I have collaborated on a couple of things already, and it, it just the writing process is encouraging and a blessing, and just brother to brother. And uh, but there was something special about uh, these these days that we spent writing the story of Jesus, and I I just cannot wait for people to hear it, and uh, we're all excited about it, and uh, looking forward to for folks to hear it and experience it. And your choir did such an awesome job. I mean, I got to be down there on choir recording day, yeah, and, you're, and yeah. to see you guys embrace it and uh, jump on it and it encourages me to see your choir fall in love with the songs the way they did that tells me that that a lot of choirs will will do the same thing and that that's always exciting to see where the songs go so thank you for that work Absolutely. on that and oh, we need to well 
you know, all of them, you know, the songs, are, there's a part of every one of them just about where where we're just singing the Word of God. Yeah, I mean, to sure. think that, you know, the people, whoever learns these songs, they'll, they're going to have the Beatitudes memorized, the Lord's Prayer, like these just crucial passages, the, you know, uh, come unto me. All yes, weary yes. And so there's, there's just some great, like, getting God's Word into your heart opportunities as a result of of this project yeah. I'm really excited about. Yeah, me too. All right, Cliff, stay safe. Keep your mask nearby. Wash your hands. You got it. <laughs> Practice social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, shepherd and love those people in, at Woodstock really well. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Anytime, my friend. Good to talk to you. Well, we hope you enjoyed that discussion between Mike Harlan and Cliff Duran and found some useful information, maybe some tips, maybe some things that you might want to employ as you are in the process of going back to some sense of normalcy with your regular gatherings at your local church. We want to hear from you. Email us, worship at lifeway.com. Tell us about the plans that you've made. Some of you are implementing those plans now. You're in the midst of it. You've already had some congregational services where the people are back in the building. Others of you are still weeks away from that, but we want to hear what you've learned, some of those things that you're going to take forward with you uh, once this is over and we're back to some sense of normalcy, some of those things that might remain that you've learned during this crisis. So email us, worship at lifeway.com. Also, you can find us on social media or you can always join us at worshiplife.com where you can find all the blogs and all the podcasts and interact with the great resources that you'll find there. Until next time, for Mike Harlan, this is Brian Brown saying thanks for joining us on the Worship Life podcast. We'll be back together to talk about worship and music and ministry again very soon.